Amen. Amen. Turn, grab your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Okay, so Sunday, while well, you're finding it, just a little review. Sunday night, we saw the pattern of the Holy Spirit. And we saw, we saw a progression, didn't we? The Spirit moves. What comes next? The Word of God, and then the light shines, right? And then we saw that pattern, not just in creation, but in our own salvation. We saw that how, it, how, it, how it worked in the manifesting of the Word of God, the, the Christ, you know, God in the flesh. And, and uh, we, we saw it in our own lives in terms of our sanctification. And, and then Monday night, we looked at the ceiling, and we said our key word Monday night was relationship. And so if I could, if I could give you, um, you know, a key word each night, like last night, relationship, uh, just keep that in the back of your minds and the sealing of the Spirit, right, the, the, the indwelling Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we're God's children and, and that ought to, man, that ought to assure us, that ought to encourage us. If I could give you a key word tonight, just kind of keep in the back of your mind and be thinking, uh, once we're sealed, okay, now what? What about our walk with Christ? And so the key word for tonight's message is fellowship. Tonight's fellowship is brought to you by the word fellowship. Uh, we're just like Adam before the fall. Um, the implication is in the cool of the day, they would walk with Jesus. They would walk with the living word of God in the, in the, in the garden in the cool of the day. They had a relationship, uh, but, you know, they were in the family business they, you know, Adam had to dress and keep the garden. He was doing that which he was created and made for, and he was doing it with his father. And so tonight we want to we want to talk about our walk in the Spirit and how critical it is to grow in the Word and in the ministry of the Spirit. And so, uh, starting out, I just got to put you in remembrance of some things that most of you already know. Um, so get Ephesians 5 in one hand and Colossians chapter 3 in the other hand. And, and you need to be put in remembrance of this observation. And so to the old timers, let me just say this. Whenever you're hearing something that you've heard now probably for the 10th or 12th time over the years, uh, it's your job to say amen. Okay, it's your job to say amen, uh, especially if you do remember. Okay, and uh, that will just help a brother out with the new people. I, I met somebody yesterday that, that, that just got saved over the last year or so. And so we want to help the new people to come along. And so here's your first point for study. We're going to compare Ephesians chapter 5 and Colossians chapter 3. And, and we're going to just get some insight in, in the filling of the Spirit. So that's our first point. Be filled with the Spirit. Spirit is your first blank. Ephesians 5.17 says... Be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And then here comes the command. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. People ask, what are we going to do Friday after the conference? And some not-so-sanctified brother or sister says, let's get hammered. No way, man, not, we're not going to do that. I mean, if you want a really good time, lay off the wine and connect to the vine. That's what we'll do, right? So what does a spirit-filled life look like? Okay, I don't want to waste my life on something that's to no profit. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but I want to be filled with the spirit. What does that look like? 
You know, in some charismatic circles, it looks like uncontrolled laughing, barking, foolishness. That looks like, it looks like, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? The laughing revivals. It, it looks like alcohol-fueled foolishness, doesn't it? Alcohol-induced unwise activity. That's what it results in. And, and, and so the Spirit of God, He's moving in your life. That's supposed to have you looking foolish. And people will say, yeah, yeah, it, it is. Uh, you know, I read somewhere I'm supposed to be a fool for Christ. Okay, really? That's, that is not what our Bible is teaching us. And so keep reading. We haven't come to a period yet in our passage. So let's just keep going in verse 19. You can see what the filling of the Spirit looks like in the following verses. In other words, how can you tell if you're Spirit-filled? Be filled with the Spirit. What? Verse 19. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So something now is coming out of you. What does it look like? It looks like praise. It looks like preaching. It looks like worship. It looks like a relationship of praise with the Lord. So also, the, uh, the, this is the Spirit-filled life. If, if you're filled with the Spirit, all of a sudden we see it's the Word of God that will pour out of you in preaching and praise. Look at verse 20. You also see it in the giving of thanks. Giving thanks always for all things unto God. And the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we'll be a thankful, a spirit-filled people or a thankful people. You know, we're, we're told in these verses what is supposed to come out of our lives. Everybody likes to stop reading at the period there in verse 20. Let me give you one more sentence. Uh, just submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. That's a tough one. Uh, it's hard for us. You know, there's, sometimes there's trust issues, usually though it's pride. So how? How do we get the word of God pouring out of us? How do, we, how do we get the fruit of the spirit manifest? How does that come out of our life? Well, we get a clue when we compare the same commands, the same, the, the same critical information as it's presented to the church at Colossae. So let's compare scripture with scripture. And Paul's saying the same thing to the Colossian church. God's will here again is to be filled with the word. That's your next blank. Verse 16. Colossians 3, 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And you can tell if the word of Christ is dwelling in you richly in all wis wisdom. You can see the reality of that in the following. In other words, how can you tell if the word is actually at work in your life? Well, you can tell by what's coming out of you. Same thing we saw in Ephesians 5, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So how can I tell if the word of Christ is dwelling richly in me? Well, it's the same way I can tell if I'm filled with the spirit. The word of God is going to pour out of me in preaching and in praise. That's, that, it has to because that's what's in me. So that's what's going to come out of me. And then in verse 17, and whatsoever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. So we're here, there it is again. We're a thankful people. And it even shows up again in our submission. Wives, verse 18, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. So you see that parallel there between these two passages. Uh, you, judge a, you judge a tree by its fruit, don't you? Uh, you, can, you can say, man, I'm, a, I'm an apple tree. I'm an apple tree, but if it's crab apples, oh, man, nobody better make a pie. Can you make a pie out of crab apples? Does anybody know? 
Never mind, it doesn't matter. Okay, you, you can say one thing, but, but, but you, can just, you can judge the tree by its fruit. So here's the key. It's the word of God in you that must come out of you. And as we compare Colossians 3 with Ephesians chapter 5, we find out it's the word of God that gives the spirit of God access to and the programming for the whole of your mind and life. Because getting the word of God in you, that's what puts handles on you. Right? It, it, it's, it's what gives handles and access for the indwelling Holy Ghost to direct you. I remember, I remember uh, you know, I, I, I was raised in church. I grew up in church. The preaching, the teaching would, would usually be a, a, a verse that would be then a launching pad for the pastor to say whatever he wanted. And it was a really good message if the pastor, um, you know, got exercised emotionally. <laughs> okay. Uh, but I didn't learn how to compare scripture with scripture. I didn't learn doctrine uh, growing up in my childhood church. And uh, I got to Kansas City and I got in a church that believed and, and, and taught. They, pre- they preached. They taught the word of God as the very word of God, words of God. The attitude of the pastors in the pulpit was, thus saith the Lord. And then they would show you book, chapter, verse, exactly what God was sh- saying. And, and, and over the days and weeks and months, I just got more and more excited about how alive the Bible was. And then pretty soon, I couldn't help it. I just got swept into the whole thing. And and now I'm studying the Bible. And now I'm comparing scripture with scripture. And I'm discovering things myself for the first time in my life. Um, You know, of course, that actually never gets old, by the way. Anytime God just shows you something that's new to you, it's like, it's time for cake and ice cream. I mean, it's, it's time to party. <laughs> That's just, it's just amazing, you know. And I get so excited about the Bible, about what God was showing me in his word, I could, I was, I just could, I couldn't shut up about it. And I'd be like at work, I'd be at school or something, and I'd be having a conversation. And I'm like, where are all these Bible verses coming from? The word of God all of a sudden is just pouring out of my mouth, and, and people are looking at me like I'm from another planet. But they're also interested in what the Bible, what does God say about these issues or these questions? And the point is, is what is in you, you can't help it. It's going to be manifest from you, right? It's going to show up in how you roll. So getting the word of God in you, that's how the Holy Spirit is going to direct and lead you. Even, even, that, even that, that first phase, right? Just the jump starting of the whole process of learning the word of God itself. That has to be, right? It has to start with the Holy Spirit. It has to be directed by the Holy Spirit. So get this down in your notes. It's the Holy Spirit that enables you to understand and to receive the word of God. So check out 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The Bible tells you that God has treasure for you. Verse 9, but as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard Neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. So there's treasure, right? There's treasure in them pages. There's treasure that God has for us. And, and there's a rich word that can, that can dwell richly in us. Well, how are we going to get that? Word of Christ dwelling in us richly. Verse 10, but God hath revealed them. He's revealed these treasures. He's revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Jesus 
described it this way in John 14, 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. And hasn't, hasn't the word of God, right? Hasn't Christ, hasn't, hasn't God said many wonderful things to us? From Genesis to Revelation, we have treasure. From Genesis to Revelation, we have the word of God and we can mine it. We can explore it. We can search it out. But we have to have the comforter. We have to have the help of the Holy Spirit to open our eyes, to open our, our understanding, to lead us to that treasure. So this process, once it's right in the life of the believer, once you're sealed by the Holy Spirit of God, you need a steady diet of the word of God. Once that process starts, you can never, you, you, you can never get away with fasting the word. You can never get away. You can never just say, I've got enough. Right, I've, I've learned enough, I know enough, I've, got a, I've, got, I've spent enough time in the word of God, and so I'm set, I'm set like Chet. Whoever Chet is, he's got it all figured out, and so I'm with him, and I'm done. N- no, we need constant renewing of our minds. We need to be constantly put in remembrance of the things that we already know. We're commanded to the work of renewing our minds in Romans chapter 12, right? Romans 12 verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren... By the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We talked about this last night. You know, if you really think about it, what did it cost God to buy you back, to buy me back, right? To buy us back from our rebellion, our wickedness, our sin. What what did it cost him to buy us out of all of that and redeem us? It cost him everything. He gave his life. I mean... He was our sacrifice. So it's only reasonable that we would return the favor. Verse 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And it's easy to go along to get along. It's easy to just fall into the, to the, to the cycle, right, of the wisdom of this world. Uh, the world has strong opinions. Uh, it knows what it wants, which is anything but submission to a creator and and, uh, you know, their opinions are, 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 are well-published. <laughs> uh, we can't be conformed to the, to the course of this world. We can't be conformed to its thinking, the thinking of this world. We have to be transformed. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do you see that? Right? That, that renewing of our mind in the word of God. The Holy Spirit of God taking us on a mining expedition in the word changes who we are from the inside out. It changes who we are. It's conforming us to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's giving us the mind of Christ. It's changing how we think. And how you think changes how you respond in life. Right? If the word of God is dwelling in you richly, you don't think like the old you anymore. You think like Christ. And when life happens to you and when life is unfolding, you don't respond like you used to just in the flesh, conform to the ways of this world. No, you've got a new attitude. You've got a new way of thinking. There's so much pressure today to go along to get along with the wisdom of this world, to be conformed to it. And I love the response of the disciples when they were told to live like everybody else. You guys are way too freaked out. You're way too psyched about this resurrected Jesus. Well, they wouldn't admit that. You, Stop preaching in the name of Jesus. 
I love the response of the disciples. Live like everyone else. Know your place. Acts chapter 4, verse 18. They called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them and said, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. Uh, you'll have to deal with that. You'll have to discern that. You'll have to make those decisions. That's on you. But as for us, verse 20, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So they had spent time with the living word of God, and that made an impact on their life. It, 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 it transformed what they knew, the way that they thought, and how they lived. It, it, it absolutely outfitted them as new creatures in Christ. We cannot but speak the things. What's in us is going to have to come out of us. And if that's a problem for you, well, then that's a problem for you. But we got to do what the king told us to do. We cannot but speak the things which we have, have, have seen and heard. The word of Christ is dwelling richly in us. It's too late, man. It's too late. We took the red Morpheus pill of God's word. Agent Smith, there's no going back. But apparently, I watched the Matrix 4 trailer today because I thought of that. and They went back. Is that, how many have seen the Matrix 4? Sorry, I'm messing up this whole message with this. But it's just outrageous that, uh, who's the guy that's the, I know Kung Fu. What, um, <laughs> well, I know it's Keanu Reeves, but Neo, Neo. I know Kung Fu, you know. Show me. Okay, you know, coolest scene ever. And apparently, according to the trailer, he went right back into the Matrix. What a... The world as we know it. <laughs> Sways are movable. You can't... Okay. So what about us? Okay, what about us? Again, we, we, we kind of introduced you to this outline in Ephesians chapter 4 last night. So... Be filled with the Spirit. What should come out of us? Man, preaching and praise. A thankful heart. Man, our willingness to do whatever we need to do so that our brothers and our sisters are where they need to be. They've got what they need, they, they need to have. Um, so look at Ephesians 4 again. Maybe grab your Bibles and, and I'll just kind of walk you through this. Uh, Ephesians 4 is such a critical chapter for the church you know believers members of the church ought to know Ephesians 4 like the back of their hand we need to know and we need to live God's word and so God gave us his word in Ephesians 4 11. he gave some apostles and some prophets that's how we got the word originally and some evangelists that's that somebody brought the word to you and and here's how you learned it some pastors and teachers and the reason we got the word is verse 12, it's to mature us, to equip us, right? We need to be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. We, know how, we need to know how to use the word of God in the lives of people. So we need to be trained in the work of the ministry and then for the edifying of the body of Christ. The church needs to be trained and taught. It needs to be built up in her faith. And every member we find out is supposed to have a part of that. Um, the, 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 the verse 14, uh, the, the chapter goes on to say there's a lot of error in the world, right? Uh, there are crafty men with false doctrine 
And look at verse 14. The Bible says they're lying, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. They're always looking uh, to take the fruit that God gives you, and they want to corrupt that fruit, right? They want to they just bring away disciples unto themselves. They're lying in wait to deceive them. And so the antidote to keep your disciples from falling for a lie is you're speaking the truth in love, verse 15, so that they, the disciples, will grow up, every member of the church will grow up into him, into Christ in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Uh, verses, uh, verse 16 says, every member has a place in that. Every member has a, a, a ministry responsibility to edify the body of Christ in love. So here's the command, verse 17. So we need the word of God so we can learn it and grow in it so that we can now live it out. So point number three, so that I, 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 need, I, need, the, I need to walk in the spirit. I, I need to be filled with the Spirit. I need to let the Word of Christ dwell in me richly so that what is in me can come out of me. That's point number three. In and out are your blanks. So what comes, uh, what comes out now then? Okay, if, I'm, if, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm filled with the Spirit, if the Word of Christ is dwelling in me richly, what's coming out of my life? Well, okay, verses 17 through the end of the chapter lay that out. Uh, what's coming out of my life isn't like the rest of the world. I'm not conform to the world, and so I'm not walking, right, as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, because uh, I got a new way of walking, I got a new way of thinking, it's changing what I know, how I go, uh, God's got us growing in the word, so I don't walk, right, we don't walk the way the, 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 the Gentile lost world walks, so I can no longer just go along to get along with the course of this world. I can't walk the way they do in the vanity of their minds and the blindness of their hearts. That's verses 17 and 18. No, now for us believers, now for us to live as Christ. So now for us, because of who we know and what we have in Jesus, man, all we want now is for him to live his life fully through us. Alan mentioned that this morning, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, right? We, we, need, uh, we need Christ living his life fully through us. So now we have to put away lying and speaking, uh, lying and speak truth, verse 24. Uh, we can't just lie all the time. We have to tell the truth because the Spirit of God is employing the Word of God. It's done it to transform our lives in the way that we think and live. So a lie doesn't taste good anymore. Used to love lying. Used to love seeing what you could get away with, right? But no longer, man. It's, all that matters anymore is the truth of God's Word. Verse 28, we can't steal anymore. And more than that, we're never happy unless we're working, unless we're productive. Verse 28, we got to provide for our families. Verse 29, we can't talk trash anymore like we used to, can we? I mean, man, and I used to be so good at it. I could just destroy my sister and make her cry like that was something, a little monster. We can't do that anymore. Now we have to edify, verse 29, we have to build people up. Why? Look at verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed until the day of redemption. We have to live Christ. The word of Christ dwelling in us richly, it has to inform the way we talk, our preaching and our praise, what's coming out of our heart, a heart thankful before the Lord, and how we interact with one another. I can't grieve the Holy Spirit anymore. That would be horrible. I don't get to waste time being bitter at people. 
So I have to lay down my life loving God's people just as Jesus. You see it. Do you see it in Ephesians chapter 4? There's a way that the Gentiles walk, and they're the, I mean, they're, they're, they're exactly the opposite of everything that we see in the rest of chapter 4. And the Bible says it's vain. It's empty thinking. We can't get away with that anymore. We have to live Christ. Why? Because what is in us is what will come out of us. And I hope you get what I'm saying. What is in you? There's no way around it. It will come out of you. You can't, you can't keep it from happening. And it's, you know, Troy covered the fruit of the Spirit on Sunday. If you're being filled with the Spirit, you're not going to be able to avoid the fruit of the Spirit being manifest in your life. Okay, do you see that? The command in Galatians 5.16 is to walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Um, you know, we, we talked about this last night, the, the, the believer in Jesus Christ has a circumcision, a circumcision that's comprehensive. We're completely separated from the body of the sins of this flesh, and then we're sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, this spiritual operation of God, it's, it's cauterized <laughs> by the sealing of the spirit. You can't reattach to the body of the sins of the flesh. But now you have this dual nature. You know, there's the old man and there's the new man. Uh, the old man has a will. It's got an agenda. And so does the new man. And so we're commanded. You know, Paul in Romans chapter 7, his complaint is, Oh, wretched man that I am. But in Romans chapter 8, we see the key to victory. It's walking in the spirit. If we're walking in the spirit, we're not fulfilling the lusts of the flesh. And so we, ha we, we, have, to, we have to make this choice. So the command in Galatians 5.16 is walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Verse 19 tells you what the works of the flesh are. And so if what's coming out of your life is adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, you see the list. If such like things are coming out of your life, it's because there's no capacity for the fruit of the Spirit to be manifest. If we're, if we're feeding the flesh, living in the flesh, walking in the flesh, well, then that's what's going to come out of our life. It'll be fleshly living. But if we're in the Spirit, right, walking in the Spirit, and again, I want to submit to you that, that, that what we're seeing here is walking in the Spirit is walking with Christ in His Word, it's, it's being restored back to what Adam lost in the Garden of Eden over rebellion and sin. So if, if the word of Christ is dwelling in us richly, if we're full of the Spirit, well, then the fruit of the Spirit, what's in us, it's, it's, it's going to come out of us. And our lives will be marked by love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. We live in the Spirit. Let us also walk in the Spirit. So what's coming out of your life? Is it the contention and the aggravation of a life in the flesh? Or, or is it the fruit of the Spirit? Like as you survey how your life is unfolding, what do you see? What's coming out of you? What's on display? Because whatever's in you, there's no way around it. It will come out of you.
See, some of God's people are sealed. They're saved, they're sealed, but they're not filled. Filled? Almost sound like I said a meadow, didn't it? They're not filled. There you go. <laughs> they're sealed, but not filled. They're not walking in the word, right? They're missing out on the crucified life. And so instead, just limping through life in the power of the flesh. And that's just lame, <laughs> right? Lame. It, is it backwards? I did it backwards, didn't I? I can never get it. Is that the L? I can never, t I can turn it around in my head. Lame, you know. It's, and that, that, that is walking in a vain way, right? I mean, how lame is that? And we miss out on everything that God intended for our lives. Check out one of the names for the Holy Spirit. Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. We were, we were there yesterday, but, but let's look at it again. Romans chapter 8. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus Christ dwelling in us. Romans 8 verse 8 says, So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. So who I am and how I'm going to live, it's not, gonna, it's, it's not supposed to be rooted in who I am in the flesh. That dude's dead, okay? Um, I, I got to remember what took place, what happened in my life in Romans chapter 6. I am crucified with Christ. I am buried with him. You know, when you get saved, you get taken outside of time and you're plunged into the eternal. Okay, so I am crucified with Christ. I am buried with Christ. I am risen with Christ. So who I am in the flesh, now I can mortify its will because, man, it's a dead man walking. You ever look at these zombie movies and think, what are these people freaking out for? I mean, there's a, uh, like, come on, man, you can take them. They're nothing. It's a dead man walking. It is amazing how convincing the old man can be at it. You're not in the flesh, but in the, in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. If you're saved, that's your identity. Man, embrace that. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ... He is none of his. And if Christ be in you, note the equivalency in this passage. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead also shall quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. You see the same principle in Philippians chapter 1. Verse 19 says, for I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing shall I be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body. Man, the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in me. So, so, so he's got to be magnified. He's worthy of that. Christ so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Christ and his sacrifice deserves this. I mean, he bought me back from my sin and my depravity. His spirit now indwells me. It bears witness with my spirit that, that I'm God's child. But more than that, Christ, the spirit of Christ is dwelling in me. So let him be magnified in my body. If the zombie has its way, I'm just going to 
walk and talk like a moron and I'm going to stink like death. That's all that's going to come out of me. But look who, if you were in the, if you're in the session this morning, one of the things that Alan said that uh, made me cry just a little bit is that, that, that the, the, the beauty of the church age is the fact that through this function of the Spirit, right, God put his Spirit in every believer. Every believer has Christ in their heart. Everybody's got Christ in their life. That's everything. The person of God dwelling in me. You know how it is when you want to fulfill the lust of the flesh. You make sure no one's looking. You go hide. Um, you, do it, you do it on the sly. You'll do it on the down low. You'll do it in a way where nobody... It, and Jesus is dwelling in your heart by faith. Man, I want Christ to be magnified in my body. But, you know, here's the course of this world. And it's very tempting to be conformed to it, the way people roll, the way people live. And I'll just tell you, one of the things that I've noticed over the years, especially as I counsel people, and um, the, I think a, a general problem is we want the, the, the spirit, right? We want the spirit-filled life. We want the filling of the spirit to work in a far more supernatural way where through, through no investment in the word of God, through no, through no part of submission, right, through no submission on our part, we just, we just want it, we want to make a prayer or something, and we just want the spirit to take over, but we don't want to participate in learning the word of God and living by faith the word of God, uh, but just the spirit takes over and, 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 and things just get supernatural, it just gets awesome and stuff because, because reasons, it just does. And then, you know, we want very quick, very super, very super, supernatural evidences and play in our life, again, through no devotion or decisions on our part. And then when we don't see the miraculous, well, we just live our lives the best that we can. Um, we, you know, we, we don't bank on God. We don't count on God. We just get through this life in the power and the wisdom of the flesh best we can because that's what we're, that's what we're resigned to. No true kingdom living, no joy in the Holy Ghost. It never works that way. We never have the opportunity to enjoy the spirit-filled life because reasons. The Bible tells us what produces that. And so that's what we have to submit to. So let's get this down in our notes. If you just get this down in your notes, I'd really appreciate it. Please pray for me. Could you just... If you ever review it, please pray for Sam Miles. Would you put that in your notes? I covet it. Because I don't want my time in the word to be wasted. I don't want to come to the word and have the cares of this world so distracting my mind that I'm not ready and there for the renewing. Does that make sense? You know that you have the ability to come to the word of God and just read words. I, it's an amazing thing. Um, I can go for, I can go a whole chapter and realize I don't know a word I just read. And I know for a fact my eyes followed every single word and there was some level at which I was interacting with every word on that page, but I have no idea what I read because I just got all this stuff on my mind and I'm thinking and I'm, I'm reading my Bible, but it's not reading me. I have fallen asleep reading my Bible and wake up with my fingers still kind of going down the page. <laughs> like, 
you know, so that stuff kind of happens, and that's not, a, that's not a point or a reason or a source for condemnation for anyone. It's just, man, I, would you pray for me so that my times in the word of God, that I am fully there for the renewing. Uh, pray for me. I want the life of Christ to be fully manifest in me. And I'm a ding-dong. You know, every time I turn around, I'm hacked off about something. I'm doing something stupid, saying something stupid. And, ah, you know, okay, well, again, we all do that. Let's just put it to death, get back in the crib, Jack, and start walking in the spirit again. I want the life of Christ to be fully. Do you know why Kansas City doesn't think that Jesus Christ is mayor? You know why Kansas City doesn't know that Jesus Christ is King of Kings and Lord of Lords? I'm a toddler at walking in the Spirit. That's what I feel like. Here's our problem. If we're not hungry for the life of Christ to be fully manifest in and through us. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. How do I live in the flesh, right? How do I do it? I live it by the, by the faith of the Son of God. Jesus knows what he's doing. I need to submit. See, if we're not hungry for the life of Christ to be fully manifest in and through us, we'll not be hungry to know God through the word of Christ dwelling in us richly. Did you get that? And sorry, Craig. Um, not enough blanks. I apologize. We're not going to be hungry to have the word of Christ dwelling in us richly. See, the Holy Spirit manifests the person of Christ through the word of Christ as reality in our lives. And so if you don't want to know Christ... If you don't want to have the fullness of Christ's life living in you, well, then what's the point of the filling for? What do you need the filling for? Don't you know that Ephesians 5.17 is a command? And if we don't engage the filling of the Spirit, it's not going to just happen. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. You know, our danger is wanting to know cool stuff about the Bible without really knowing the God of the Bible. We want to know all the cool information. We want to know all the cool details, but we're not interested in walking with God. We're not interested in knowing Christ, knowing his mind, having his heart. And I get it. Oh, wretched man that I am. That's who I am in the flesh. So I need to walk in the spirit so I don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. I get that. Be not conformed to a vain thinking, vain walking world. Be ye transformed. Oh, I wish I had the words to communicate this. Except Christ lives his life through us. It's all vain labor. You know, Christ said he'd build his church. And uh, we get fruit. We have fruit, man. Praise the Lord. Souls get saved. People get discipled. But our city's going to hell in a handbasket. 
and I don't know how to get the message across. I don't know how to speak in such a way. I don't know how to proclaim truth in such a way that people can actually see it. We'll talk about this tomorrow night. Man, we need the work of the Spirit. The filling of the Spirit, it doesn't just happen. You know, Stephen, he wasn't playing at it. He was, check out Acts chapter 6, verse 5. He was full of the Holy Ghost. That's what Acts 6, uh, Acts 6, 5 says. He was full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. Okay, faith in what? <laughs> you know, he's a mighty man of God. How do we know? Well, what came out of him? You read Acts chapter 7, and the word of God pours out of this cat. It is a deluge. <laughs> he is... I mean, he is, a, if, if you can equate preachers to, to uh, vehicles, he is a nitrous oxide burning monster truck four by four. You know, I mean, he's a six-wheeler juggernaut, and he just, I mean, it, it, it was a tsunami of the word just pouring out of this. I'm mixing my metaphors, sorry. But uh, do you feel, have you ever read chapter seven and just like, man, dude, he, he was slaying. The word of God poured out of him the danger I think, especially in, a, in, in churches like ours, what the Bible says and what it teaches rightly matter to us. That should never change. We want to know right, and that's good. We should always be pursuing it. Uh, we should always be helping each other pursue what's right. But just as important as knowing him, we want to know right, but we also want to know the God of the Bible. And the danger exists to know facts about the word of God without actually knowing God himself. I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to be conformed to the, to the fellowship, right? I want to be part of the fellowship of his suffering. I want to. And then there's the old man. At the same time, the old man's like, dude, you don't want that. You want a nice, easy, comfortable life. Uh, just, you know, go a little bit. Just be smart, dude, and go a little bit according to the course of this world. Uh, use wisdom, you know. Wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. You know, I, like, I even got cross-references for, <laughs> for my excuses. And I see people in, in outright rebellion against their creator. And I know that God's not willing that they perish. So why isn't there revival in Kansas City? Would you pray for me? Would you pray? Please, would you? It's a, it's a genuine request. Okay, so walking in the Spirit, being led, right, being filled with the Spirit also focuses your relationship with God. Okay, so this is critical. I mean, if it's all about knowing Christ, well, then the filling of the Spirit should focus our relationship with our Father. Romans, again, again Romans 8, verse 12. Well, actually, in verse 8, we have... Christ, uh, the spirit of Christ, Christ is in us. Verse 12, therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. And you know what, nothing, all it ever did was get you in trouble. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. but have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Jehovah is my dad. 
The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. We'll talk about that tomorrow. You know what God wants? You know what the Spirit of God is saying to you, child of God? Man, I want the Spirit of God to say, God wants you. God wants you, your heart. He wants that relationship with you that he's designed for you. He wants a relationship with you that he has planned for you. Again, the implication in Genesis 3.8 is that Adam's walking with the word of God in the cool of the garden daily. He's got a daily walk with God. He's in the family business. Genesis 3.8, they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. The implication is, is this is the appointment. The problem is now they're hiding in sin. The word of God wants to walk through life with you, but he wants to do it in and through you. So relationship, relationship must produce fellowship. It must produce a fellowship where we're like-minded with Christ. Uh, it, it must produce a fellowship that's a word of God direction in life. And Jesus describes it this way in John chapter 15. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. And then look what he says. I'm making sure the word of Christ is dwelling in you richly. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. So what I have provided for you, I want you to live in that. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Man, let's take that to the bank. God wants your heart, he wants your life, but he also wants this right relationship with you. My Bible has never told me it didn't have time for me. My Bible has never, uh, you know, I need to get in the word. Nope, I'm busy right now, go find something else to do. Come back later, son. He's never done that to me. It's always there. God's always waiting to school me, to hang with me, right, for us to grow in our relationship together. God wants you. He wants your heart. He wants the relationship with you that he's designed for you. But it's a life with him. Okay, so conversely, that's what God wants. You have the capacity to frustrate that. So get this down in your notes. The possibility actually exists for you to grieve the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4.30 says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed until the day of redemption. You know, there's a line that you can draw here. Grieving the Spirit is the first step in what? I couldn't come up with a word, so I'll just tell you what. It's the first step in lessness. Grieving the Holy Spirit means you got, it, it, you're facing a setback. It's the first step in lessness. See, there's a line from living Christ to quenching the Spirit. Quench is your last break. That means you know we're wrapping up. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 19 commands, quench not the Spirit. To quench means to extinguish or to dampen. Whenever you, whenever you want to put out a fire, when you want to quench a fire, you pour water on it, right? That's the easiest method that most people have access to. When you quench a fire, you put it out is what you're doing. 
Okay, quench not the Spirit. Well, how would I do that? Well, okay, the Spirit is wanting me, right? It's going to take the Word of Christ dwelling in me richly, and that's going to put handles all over my life. That's going to give the Spirit access to lead, guide, and direct my life. And so how I quench the Spirit is by refusing to allow His function in my life. It's, it's really me rejecting the relationship. I've got the relationship. Nothing can undo that. We saw that yesterday. But I can, I, I can make it so bad. It can get to the point that a Christian can look like and live like a lost man. So much so it looks like he's just got the wrong spirit, huh? We can go and insult and offend God so that now he's standing back in reserve. And, he's, and, and there he is, the spirit of Christ dwelling in us, standing in reserve. It's similar to the progression of Romans chapter 1, how God deals with the lost. You're familiar with Romans chapter 1? Um, the, the, the word of God is revealed to humanity, but instead, I mean, when they knew God, they refused to, we, we refused to acknowledge him as God. And instead of worshiping God, we worship the creature. We worship the creature instead of the creator. And, and, and so then what follows? Well, you know, it's not enough to deny God. We got to be a God unto ourselves. We buy into the, to the spirit of antichrist. We want to stand in the place of God as God. And, and so what do we do? We... We pursue worship of the creature, and then from there, it's sexual rebellion, and, and, and you just see this progression in Romans 1, how God deals with the loss, and it says he gave them up, and he gave them up to uncleanness, and then he gave them up again, he gave them up to vile affections, and then he gives them over to a reprobate mind, and now, I mean, it's just so bad, they can't even think right anymore. It's just so bad, they're drunk on the course of this world walking in the vanity of the mind. It's a dark understanding. It's ignorant and blind. It's, it's, it's a drunk way of thinking in darkness. No way you're not, I mean, drunk in the dark, there's no way you're not going to get hurt. We have the ability to quench the spirit. How do I know? Because 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 19 commands me not to. <laughs> All right, that's to, the, that's to the church. Quench not the spirit. Don't put him out. Don't, don't, don't put the fire out. Don't pour water on what God wants to do in your life. Don't live drunk in the dark. See, some of us, we need repentance. We need to make up with God. We just need to get back with him. Some of us need to get serious for the first time in our life about the word of Christ dwelling richly in us. You guys have a, you guys have a biblical discipleship. You've got the ministry tools and training. You've got your Bible school. You're rich. You're rich. You have every opportunity to get serious about the word of Christ dwelling richly in your life. Can I just give you a, a verse as we close? And, and I just pray it will be a, a theme uh, for, for your life. Jude chapter 1, verse 20. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost... Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, and if some have compassion, making a dis di difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Man, I don't want to walk according to the course of this world. I don't want to walk like the Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. I don't want to walk. I don't want to so quench the spirit, right, that God's just forced to give up, give up, give over. It's quenched in my life.
drunk in the dark. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. Man, Jesus is our hope. He's our sure anchor. And to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. Man, my prayer for this church is that the word of Christ will dwell in each member richly. That each member will fully, I mean, man, it's, it's fully Christ living his life through them. The reality of who Jesus is and the reality of his word, that it's reality in your life, that what's in you is coming out of you. That you keep yourselves in the love of God and that you become a ministry, right? An evangelism, disciple-making juggernaut in the New Philadelphia, Dover area. Uh, just take over, take over Northeast Ohio for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and, and the Lord will do all of that through you. I believe that with all my heart, that God can do that. I also know that every member has a say in that. <laughs> every member has a say in how that plays out. And with all of my heart, I'm praying for you that when you come to the word of God, it just reaches out, and when it needs to, it slaps you right in the heart. Gives you the hug and the encouragement that you need when you need it, the correction, the exhortation. I pray that you hear it in your discipleship relationships. I pray it in the conversations as you come together to provoke one another to love and good works, as you assemble together faithfully, that every member speaks truth and love, and it falls out to the growth and edification of every member. Man, I'm praying for a Holy Ghost-filled, on-fire church for the glory of Jesus Christ. I love you guys. Thanks for letting me hang with you tonight.